Everyone, welcome to another awesome day with a struggle. I'm Sean Lee. I'm James Park. We're here to discuss the reality of daily struggles and how it's a constant no matter where we are on our journey. Join us for honest conversations as we navigate life, business, and career challenges. Learn how to accept the struggles and how it's all about the mindset. Hey, everyone. What's going on? Welcome to episode 10 of Startup Struggles. You know, something I thought about the other day was the show is called Startup Struggles, but I don't think we gave our listeners much context as to what are our startups. Have we? I don't think we have. (laughs) Yeah. And the reason I thought about that too is because funny enough, like there are actually people listening to this podcast. I just thought we should give people some context. And secondly, it gave me the idea that this is a great way to help keep our friends and family kind of updated on what we're doing and what we're working on, especially from a startup perspective. I guess even from any kind of job perspective, it's really hard to keep up with people, right? It's like, what are they working on these days? So I want to share what you're working on right now, all the different projects. In a broad way, the reason why Startup Struggles works for, for me is I'm not working on a startup right now, per se, not at a company. But I read a book several years ago called The Startup of You. And I really like this concept because we have to think of our lives as a startup. And we think of it as almost like we're a company, right? We have to have our own, our own vision, our own goals, and we have to be relentless when thinking about things that we are personally going after. And it doesn't just have to be for work. And I think that the big takeaway from that book was when you start to shift your mind and think about yourself as a company, as a startup, it's much more exciting. And so the things that I'm working on right now is, well, I think this podcast is one of the big priorities for every week. Secondly, though, every single day I write. I used to write on a website called Outside the Well, but I recently shifted everything over to my own website jswpark.com. And it's mainly about what started off as articles for myself on how to not be lost, on how to get unstuck in a lot of negative behavior. I'm really struggling with depression and not really sure where I was going with life. Not that I'm any better now, but what has happened is these articles that was writing mainly for myself, I decided that it could be a good thing where someone might also be in the same boat as me. Mm -hmm. And from there, these articles are starting to not only help me, but hopefully help whoever decides that they can stumble upon it themselves. And I think that's even how we started this podcast, because when we talked about what I was writing about, you related, you're like, oh, I really like that. And that's what began the conversations of saying like, hey, we should talk about this weekly. I know mental health is a big industry now, but when you talk about depression, it's kind of shunned. Like you never really want to talk about it. And you don't, I don't know, for me personally, when I talk about depression with people, it brings people down. And you were one of the first people that I talked to that was like, oh, I actually wouldn't mind talking about this subject. It's really cool how from writing about my own struggles with depression would evolve into having another avenue of podcasting, which is like, which is pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah. But yeah, those are two of my major projects. 
I know you, you mentioned in previous episodes, the voice acting stuff. Yeah. So that's the third thing that I'm doing is I am applying to a lot of voiceover auditions. I've applied to maybe 15 so far and I've gotten no hits, but I think it's okay because I'm actually enjoying the process of recording something, reading a script, trying to change my voice to set the tone for whatever whatever they want, the direction that they give. Yeah. Doing a lot of editing on my own, on my own voice. It's been fun. So I, I think that's just something that I'm also trying out just to see if I really like it and if it resonates with me. Yeah. And I think from there, there's a lot of other voice projects that I want to go down, which is even something about like, the idea of reading my own articles or even posting our podcast online in like a YouTube video format. So those are also interesting for me. And then I also actually spend a lot of my time programming on a program that I developed last year in Vietnam, which was a audio sentiment analysis program. And actually, it's funny because that's one of the things that I'm trying to decide if it's a big priority for me or not, because as voice and podcast and writing become bigger in my life, I've spent less time programming. It's become unclear to me what exactly is the point of this program. I'm not really sure what I need it for. And it's interesting because I feel like it's a, I don't know how to exactly say this, but I don't have a clear vision or a goal for the program. And because of that, it's been difficult to work on. And I was thinking about how this applies the same way to my life. Because I didn't have a very clear goal or vision for what my life path was, it became very hard to do specific things or to take action on things because I was turned around in all directions. And if you don't have a clear direction, it's like having a broken rudder on a boat. You just kind of ship around and sail around wherever with no idea of where you're going. And sooner or later, you're just kind of in circles. Yeah, I think those are my big projects and it's becoming more and more clear to me where some things are become deprioritized, like programming is becoming lower and lower on my list. And I'm not exactly sure it's because I don't have a direction or because it's just not as interesting to me. And Hmm. I'm going to actually give myself this week to put some deep thought into that. Yeah, I think you should. From one perspective, it's looking at it like, oh, one of your seven core values was learning, right? Mm-hmm. Is that part of that core value where you're pushing yourself to learn something new? Because if it's not, because I can't see it fitting into some of the others, like adventure, compassion, determination, maybe determination, impact, trustworthiness, and respect. Yeah. And you know, if it's not fitting into your current core values, then kind of go to Seth Godin's The Dip, one of my favorite short books. Like I'm learning how to quit when to quit. Right. right. <laughs> it's, it's also an important skill. On my side, I've been working on these two startups on top of my own personal startup, which is me. I completely agree about treating yourself like a startup. I had to do this last April, actually, when I was trying to figure out my way. You know, I was nearing graduation from my MBA and I didn't take up any of the jobs or offers that most MBAs take up either investment banking or consulting or product management, had some pretty good offers. It was a tough decision. I actually had to talk about this with a friend on his podcast two weeks ago, where he was like, what was it like you know, giving up a 300K job? Must have been a hard decision. It was a hard decision because at the time when I was making that decision, like Miles was about to be born and 
just big family moves, right? Yeah. And changes. And I was like, okay, I'm going to give up this job to do what? (laughs) (laughs) It's like there was no answer on the other end. And very luckily, like Mink was pretty okay with it. I think for her, the decision was easy. It was like either have Sean make 300K and just not be around at all. Mm. And we have to move to San Francisco or we can continue living in SoCal and we'll just let Sean figure it out. Hey, we're kind of worked out. It kind of did work out. One of the books I read at the time was Traction, kind of like the startup of you, Traction, the entrepreneurial operating system. And I really applied every single, almost every single thing in that book to myself, right? The whole vision traction organizer is from that traction book. And it's meant for evaluating core values and your 10-year plan and subsequent three-year, one-year, 90-day goals, right? For business. But I was like, wait, why can't I just do this on myself? And so that's what I did. Since then, I've continued to adapt that process for obviously myself and other friends and businesses. But coming back to kind of the startup life, I then similarly applied that framework to evaluate alumni.fm, the first business that I started out of business school, which is a podcast production company. It's an end-to-end podcast production company that produces this podcast (laughs) (laughs) and 10 or 12 other podcasts for universities, for professors, for basically higher ed and some business clients nowadays as well. And so it's kind of an amazing story when I look back on it, something that Funny enough, I do feel pretty proud about it for the first time, just talking about it. In a little over a year, we started last April of 2020, kind of in the midst of the pandemic. And I grew it from, you know, just, just me, myself, and I to a team of like 25 now in a little over a year. And it's great. It's great having a business. Yeah, that's awesome. It's also uh, a little bit stressful <laughs> <laughs> because when you are growing that fast, when your teams are growing that fast, your costs are just ballooning. We just did payroll yesterday, last night, and I was just like, damn, our costs are pretty high. <laughs> like, can we improve you know, our current product offerings? Can we get more clients? And if we can't, that's Miles. And if we can't, then it's like, oh, we might have to let half the team go right? at some mm-hmm. point. So that's kind of like the stark reality I need to prepare for before that happens. But these are the kinds of things that occupy my mind is to say like, What's the worst case scenario in the next three to six months with our current budget? And what do we need to do to make sure that we don't hit that worst case scenario? And so that's alumni.fm. And the other business that I am primarily focused on, because part of the reason we have so many people for alumni.fm is I wanted to automate the business. It's a pretty turnkey business, very process-oriented, operations-oriented. It's not a very convoluted business in many ways. It's what I call like a lifestyle business have X amount of input, you get Y amount of output. That's like pretty much it. Whereas Clever.fm is a tech startup that's just like any other app or tech startup that people build. We went out and did an accelerator, went out and got some venture funding. I do have a piece of good news, actually, that you don't know yet. So Friday, we were invited and we were offered a spot for the big accelerator nationally and yeah, it's kind of a huge thing. Dude, that is fucking awesome. Congratulations, man. Yeah. It was one of those moments where we weren't sure whether or not we wanted to do it before that offer mm-hmm. because it's pretty expensive. Is it higher than other? Technically, it is higher. It's basically 6% equity for 20K. 
which is a lot. And they do offer you another like 100K as a safe, as a convertible note that you can take. It's optional. You don't have to take it. And that would be priced at whatever. But the initial 6% is it is what it is. And then the 100K if we were to take it for you know our startup, our safe cap is at 5 million, basically capping our valuation at 5 million, by the way, which is absurd. We don't make any money. We don't, we don't have <laughs> any revenues, nothing. And investors are like, yeah, sure, we'll, we'll value your company at 5 million. <laughs> sure. And so with the additional 100K, they would come out to be about 8 to 9%, basically, on our cap table, which again, it's a hefty amount. And it was a tough decision prior to the offer because we had already raised money. We've already raised over 300K and we already have additional investors who are willing to put in more money and, and things like that. So getting money isn't our biggest challenge. Mm. But one thing that really came along and one of our advisors asked me this really good question was like, you know, the whole buy and build decisions that companies have to make, right? Let's say you're a big Amazon. It's like, do I build this feature or do I just buy this feature from a startup, right? He was using that logic to say, do you want to build these relationships that TextCharge can offer. You know, they were introducing us to Sony Music Group, Warner Music Group, like just the biggest names, right, in the kind of the audio space, Amazon Music. And do I want to build these relationships, which I could, or do I just want to buy them? And I was like, you know what? That's a great question. And that helped me answer it because I was like, I'd rather buy these relationships because I have a bunch of other shit I need to build, like the product. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And so that just really sealed it for me. And that's really what you're paying for. You're paying a hefty equity for relationships. Community. Yeah, for community, exactly. And, and the other thing that I had to think about and consider is actually one of my struggles last week, and this all happened like Friday, by the way, was what is the purpose of me building this company? Because one of the things that I considered too was what is the downside of giving away equity? Why the hesitation for any founder? Well, the hesitation typically is because there's this grandeur, this idea, this dream that if your company is worth a billion dollars someday, that's $60 million that you're giving away. <laughs> right now, it's worth nothing. So you're giving away nothing of nothing, right? 6% of nothing, as they say. But if it's worth something because you believe very much, obviously, you believe in your business. I believe in my business that we're going to become a billion-dollar company, that you're giving away $60 million. And that's not an easy decision. But can you be so short-sighted as to say like, I'm giving this away for no additional value? No, right? I'm giving it away because of the relationships and the name, the brand associated with us. There's like so many other external factors that we can't ignore as an entrepreneur. I guess what I realized, like, I had two choices. I either give away equity to maximize our chances for success as a company by getting as much help, external help as possible. Mm -hmm. Or am I trying to maximize for the most amount of like cash upon exit? Because the more equity I hold by the time we exit or by the time we IPO or sell or something, the more money I get. I thought about it somewhere. I was like, well, let's say we end up selling a company even for like 100 million. Would I really care for an additional $6 million? <laughs> right? If I'm already getting like 20 million out of that, yeah. do I really care for another three to 6 million? No, like that's already a life changing event in itself. Like 20 versus 26 million, like I really wouldn't care. But what I would care about is the fact that we got all the help and support to maximize our chances for success to get there. That's more important, especially being my first quote unquote tech startup. This is my sixth startup now, you know, as a founder, but this is my first tech startup. You know, all five prior were all lifestyle businesses. 
I think I definitely have a lot of doubts and uncertainty in my own capabilities. And that's also another struggle I had to grapple with was just recognizing that and being open about it as I'm being now. I honestly, some days, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that happened. So I'm pretty excited. Yeah. First, awesome. Congratulations. I have some thoughts on this. One thing though, is to go back and talk about, you said for Alumni FM, you were not really proud of what you were able to accomplish until today. You were thinking about it. Why do you think that is? I think that is because I built lifestyle business before. And so it just didn't feel like a new challenge Hmm. to build another lifestyle business because part of it is, it goes back to my original reasoning, like personal reasoning as to why I want to build a billion dollar business versus say a million dollar, $10 million business. And the reasoning is to me, I don't know how I got in my head. It's always this idea that the value of your business is in ways the value or the the amount of impact that you've had. And you know, one of your core values is impact. It's probably my eighth. It's definitely in my top 10. As an entrepreneur, I just want to solve bigger and badder and hairier problems, as I call them BHAGs, big, hairy, audacious goals. Uh, that's what VCs like to yeah. like to invest in. <laughs> BHAGs. So dumb. But yeah, you want to be tackling like a big enough problem. And that's just part of my ambition, driving that. Now does that mean that like Alumni FM is not solving problems, is not creating value? Like, absolutely not. I've always told people, like, if I weren't building Clever.fm, I would be so happy with Alumni. I'm just like, I built something from nothing in like a year and we're doing amazing things. Like, we are telling people stories, very personal stories. Mm-hmm. I just interviewed this fellow Haas, Berkeley Haas alumni. She was actually my commencement speaker for our commencement back in October. She was invited. She's the chief people officer of Allbirds. Wow. Right? Like what an amazing opportunity to talk to someone that awesome who was our commencement speaker and get to interview her and got to hear and share her story about her life and who she is, her struggles and overcoming them and her writing a book called uh, Strong Like Water. It's from that Bruce Lee quote, Mm -hmm. Be Like Water, which is actually from Confucius or from Lao Tzu, not Confucius, sorry. Pretty much the same guy. (laughs) (laughs) But it was just this idea that turned into this amazing platform for people to share their stories. And our whole mission for alumni.fm is connecting people through stories. I strongly, strongly believe in that. And that's why I was so driven to do this business because you know, in our world today of instant gratification of five second blips on Instagram and TikTok and like mm. everything in basically less than 30 seconds of your attention, right? Yeah. It's like, how do you get context? How do you get perspective? How do you get depth, right? How do you know about people? And I think personally, I think that's one of the reasons why people, society as a whole might be so insensitive, might be so inconsiderate in many ways and why we might be so divisive in this country because you don't really know people right? Mm-hmm. We're just so quick to judge because again, 30 seconds is all you need to like <laughs> judge something, Yeah, right? And this especially came up for me and it's been troubling me for a while since the 2016 elections and especially living on the West Coast, people are just like, oh, are people in Michigan racist? I'm like, no, they just have different priorities and they have different concerns and issues than you. Over there, like auto industry is struggling, like people are out of jobs. 
they're just a lot of blue collar. And you can't just say they're ignorant and uneducated and racist because mm-hmm. racism actually is. I read an article yesterday about this. Like racism's prevalent. We want to just attribute rednecks as racist. It's like, no, they're racist across all different classes. It doesn't matter what your class is, right? Yeah. Or socioeconomic standing. Like racism is racism. Racists are racist. And so the whole thing is that like, no, like, have you talked to anybody in the Midwest? Have you been there? <laughs> right? Because I know my friends, I know some people who voted for Trump. Like, I know they didn't go to bed that Tuesday night and wake up Wednesday morning racist. Yeah. It's just that they have different priorities and somehow Trump appealed to them. And I'm not going to be so quick just to cast them aside and label them versus trying to understand them, mm-hmm. right? Because that's, that's really the, the way you're going to change things is, is by yeah. getting to understand people. So long story short, this is why I was just so passionate about building Alumni FM is that we are creating a company that helps universities and organizations create a platform like this where we can just share much longer, deeper conversations. But why was I not proud of it? Yeah, because there's this other bigger, shinier project that feels like if I accomplished this, I would be a lot more proud. Yeah, maybe the impact, it seems like it's making a bigger impact. But when you think about Alumni FM, I almost think that stories might be more important to a lot of people. Not to say that Clever FM is a great idea. I think it's a wonderful idea. I love the idea of stories. I think stories are extremely important. And I think the reason why it, we like struggle with this is because even movies, like when you watch a movie and you watch a movie about a hero, like 90% of the content is in the moment where they're the hero and they're making an impact and changing the world and saving whatever, or killing the villain, like doing whatever that they need to be. 10%, like the backstory is what they went through. And it's like a very quick thing. And it just fast forwards to today. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people don't realize that when you meet the person that is famous or you meet the person who's gotten to where they are or they've gotten, they're like winning, like Usain Bolt, he wins gold in 10 seconds. But that man has been exercising and running and training for his entire life for 10 seconds. But we only see that. And I think we glorify that moment. And when I think of Alumni FM and stories, I'm thinking, wow, that is really powerful because you hear and you can understand their backstory to where they've become who they are. Yeah. I think the analogy is I've always had this thought for just as long as I've known. I'm just like, do I want to be the doctor who treats the patients? Huge impact. Or the teacher, you're teaching the students. Or do I want to be the person that builds the school, that funds the school or funds the hospital, right? There is no better or worse option. There is no right or wrong. You need both. Mm -hmm. That's just the reality of it. And that's kind of how I see Alumni FM and Clever FM. Like Clever FM is like the infrastructure in many ways. It's the building for podcasting, (laughs) for podcasters, I should say. And Alumni FM is directly supporting and impacting the podcasters. And as I say that out now, it's like, I think this is why I'm so proud of Alumni FM now is because like, again, there's no better or worse option. Both are having an impact. They're just different. I really like that. That being the teacher versus the person building the school. You can call it ambition. You can call it perspective. Asking these questions, it isn't making me realize like, 
maybe it isn't it shouldn't be around ambition because if it's around ambition then it may be wayward and say like oh of course the person building the school is having a much bigger impact than the teacher just from my personal perspective but that's not true right so it's really just like how do you frame it how do you frame the kind of impact you want to have or how do you frame the role that you want to serve right right if you expand out and you say that someone who builds a program is impacting all the kids that go through the program right but you can also say the person that builds a program is impacting the teachers, right? All the teachers that come in, but all the teachers are impacting each of their students. And so there's that difference there. And I think each person has a different layer of way that they can frame what they want to be doing and how they want to be making a difference. Yeah. I've been struggling with, as I've been thinking about vision and goals and my core values and stuff. One of the things that have been cropping up in my mind is that I'm not doing it enough or I'm not going to be making a difference. Like the thing that comes up a lot is like, you're not good at anything. You're not actually doing anything. Your life is still a mess. All this stuff that you're doing in the last five, four months since I've moved back from Vietnam, like whatever I've been really doing, I think it comes down to this idea of my vision is very fuzzy. It's not very clear, but if you don't work on yourself every single day, it stays that way. It doesn't become clear at all. And I think the challenge of life, of living life, is being able to understand that at some point you will be lost, but the only way out is to actually keep going. Mm -hmm. My struggle this week was I felt really motivated. I love the idea of like responsibility versus obligation. And my biggest core value that resonated the most with me this week was determination because I related that to intent and being very intentional about everything that I'm doing. And that has helped me kind of go through every single day. You know, I've scheduled my week. I've been doing this for a while now, like several months. I schedule my week out in advance and I have these like three main attacks that I do every single day. And it's related to the three major projects that I've, I've talked about earlier. But even while doing this, a lot of times at the end of the night, I still feel so empty and shitty. <laughs> like, what the fuck am I doing? I really think it's because of this concept that overall, my vision still is not very clear. I have a direction, sort of, but I'm going in all sorts of direction. And because of that, it feels frustrating that I'm not making clear movement or like clear gains for anything in particular. Right. Hmm. But then that only appears, ironically, the gains only appear when you think back. Like when I think about when I first wrote, so this week I'm going to be writing my 42nd article. And while I was writing it, I realized I could like link back to three or four different articles that I, I wrote about. And I've never been able to do that before. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. But for some reason, even though I've been writing so much and being able to do all this, it doesn't feel, I don't know if like satisfaction is the right word, but maybe it's because I don't have a clear vision for it. Before I was just writing for the sake of writing, but now I have to evolve the vision to something even greater. I have to evolve like what I want writing to become. I think that's a big trick about vision is that once you start having an idea, it will be fuzzy at first and then it will continue to evolve. And that's your job. That's your responsibility 
It's a continued evolution of this vision of who you see yourself becoming. And it's never a final thing. And it kind of sticks with the idea of like always learning, always growing, because now it's not a question of getting to a certain place and getting there and thinking like I'm done. It's just how far can you go? How far can you keep going? Yeah. I think another thing, I'm glad you're, you know, rebranding the website and things like that because feedback is important. For me, like looking at this podcast, this is our 10th episode. We consistently have 30, 40 listeners per episode. Awesome. Thank you, listeners. And that's insane for you know, a brand new podcast. And that's in many ways is validating that people are interested in hearing this about the struggle. <laughs> Either people are interested in hearing about struggles they can learn from our experiences, or they're just interested in hearing about our struggles and hearing how we struggle less. <laughs> Either way, thank you. Thank you for listening. <laughs> yeah. But that's kind of what I think you need. And I'm glad you're putting yourself out there with the voice acting and applications and 15 is a huge number, you know, get to a hundred. Yeah. A lot of things is just a numbers game. My entire month goal for December is just to get one audition. That's it. I like it. And I say it's a numbers game too, but it's also a numbers game in the sense that like it has to be public, like your applications, right? Your submissions for voice acting, like you're putting yourself out there. Mm -hmm. This podcast, we're putting ourselves out there. Yeah. Like I shared it on Facebook. We should definitely share it more and promote it more. The reasoning is not because we just want more listeners. The reason is because we want more feedback to let us know like whether or not people find this valuable, right? I think that goes the same with your writing because you had said you wanted to write because you wanted people who might be going through the same struggles of depression to read and just find solace or find comfort and, and share in that. I don't know what efforts you've made to kind of put your writing out there, but that's something to think about. Yeah, so for writing, I don't put much effort into it very honestly. I tweet it once a week, but I'm not huge on Twitter. So the changes that I want to make soon are this idea about how to grow a following. Because I, I never really thought about that. Like to get an audience, we talked about this. It's about self-promotion and neither of us are good at self-promoting. And it feels weird to toot your own horn, I guess. It's just not very natural. But maybe like it's not about tooting your own horn. As I'm hearing you say this mm -hmm. from like an outsider's perspective, for me, it's like, what if it's just about sharing the content of that article, just being authentic about it? Yeah. So I, when I tweet, it's just about that. Like, I don't talk about myself. I talk more about what I'm writing about and how it could help. Okay. Yeah. I don't have a lot of Twitter followers and they don't really have that many readers. But anyways, the idea there is to... This like difference is now I'm thinking before it was, oh, I just want to write and then I'll just post and I'll just tweet and it'll be like whatever. But the mindset shift that I'm making now is not only am I going to write, but I'm writing to find out who my audience is. And I think mm. that change is really helping me think a lot about like what I should write about because I never thought about an audience before. I thought the mm. audience was an audience of one, which is just me. Yeah. But now when I think about, okay, well, there must be other people like me, that really changes the way that I've been thinking of how to write. Like all my writing is becoming shorter and shorter and more condensed. That's good. Mm -hmm. And then now the thing is, how can I reach more people to be able to provide this information? Yeah, I like that. It's like a very 
subtle change. I can't really articulate it well right now, but this is something I've been working through over the last few months as I've written more and more and as I've started to share it via different threads. And now like, I have a newsletter and there's four people. One is me. <laughs> but reaching out and talking to them, when I write an article now, I'm thinking very specifically about these three people. I like that. By the way, there's nothing wrong with starting with yourself. I think that's where most people, most startups and entrepreneurs start is they start with a personal problem. Mm-hmm. This is the personal pain point for me. This is why I'm doing this. We're coming full circle to the beginning of this conversation. I love it. <laughs> because there's nothing wrong focusing on y- yourself and that audience of you. Because frankly, in some ways, you are unique, you and I and our listeners. But in many ways, we are not unique, yeah. <laughs> right? Your problems are not unique. Like There's somebody out there who has very similar problems as you who's going through very similar stages in their life, maybe not the same age, but similar struggles, similar problems. And what you're trying to figure out for yourself might help them if they're going through the same problems. And that's actually a great way to figure out your initial target audience, right? Yeah. Finding people who are going through the same things, a career change, a huge career pivot, actually going from ops, yeah. to, <laughs> you know, being head of ops to like media and publishing in many ways. And I can say the same now that you've gave us this idea, like who's our audience? You know, our audience for startup struggles are people who are struggling through life, yeah. <laughs> like us, which is very broad, which I like. And also people who are interested in entrepreneurship and startups mm-hmm. and the behind the scenes of that. Yeah, definitely. So I was talking to Heung last week and he was asking like what I'm writing about and I kind of gave him an idea. And he was like, dude, you should be a life coach. And I've heard this several times in my life, but I've never considered myself a life coach because I always thought, who the hell would want a life coach who is so also lost? (laughs) Right? And Heung was like, dude, that's why you'd be actually kind of good because you'd be really relatable. And so most times in my life, I would take this and I would think about it for a long time. But I decided, what the hell? I'm going to try this. So last week, I actually posted. And at the end, I wrote this little blurb about how I'm going to try to not necessarily be a life coach, but to be more of a kind of a friend who's also in the same boat as someone else might be. And if you need someone to talk to, I was going to be that person. And so if anyone listening would like to do that, you can just email me at hello at jswpark.com and we can set up a time to just kind of chat. And it's kind of like what we're doing. These conversations started with this idea of, hey, two people who are just exploring, trying to figure out what they're doing. Yeah. Maybe from outside perspectives, some people might think like, oh, Sean and James, well, me not so much, but Sean, you might know what you're doing. You've done all these businesses this is your sixth business. You're running like a tech startup. It's incredible. And some people might see that and think that, oh, he has life all figured out. But that's not true. As we talk about this week in and week out, there are times where we are always going to be lost. That's just part of life. Yep. I think the helpful thing is, and what a coach or life coach or even a friend, what they do is not giving advice more so than being able to be in the same boat and explore together. 
Mm -hmm. I think that's like a big part of what our podcast is and why a lot of people might be able to get and learn from it because they also feel that they're part of this journey, right? Because they're in a journey on their own. It's interesting to say this. I heard this concept, the difference between the words advisor, coach, and mentor. There's actually a pretty significant difference between the three. Mentor is someone who helps give perspective. I think mentor advisors are pretty similar. A coach is someone who helps keep you accountable, very tactical. We need to look this up, but there's classifications for each of them. But people seek me out pretty often through LinkedIn for entrepreneurship advice. Mm -hmm. And I remember in the beginning, I'm just like, how am I qualified (laughs) to give you advice? Like I haven't had like this blowout success or anything like that. So why would I be qualified? But then I realized, oh, as I'm talking to them, oh, a lot of the struggles you're going through, I'm either going through with you, or I just went through it last week, or I've done it before, right? Mm -hmm. And I can definitely help shed some light, provide some perspective on it. And I think that's where the mentorship and advisory comes in. Is that like, you don't have to listen to your mentor advisor. That's not their role to tell you what to do. More so just share like their experiences. Yeah. And then I think life coaches adds another layer on top of that where they need to keep you accountable to certain things and changes. Mm -hmm. So I think Hayong's absolutely right. Because you are actively going through these struggles, as with many people, everybody goes through struggles and depression and things like that, but you're actively trying to decipher it, to figure it out. I think that does make you uniquely qualified to say like, hey, you're pushing yourself to grow. Yeah. It was scary, but it's taking a shot. Yeah. No one's emailed me yet, but that's totally okay. And maybe that's why it's even easier to do this is because I know a lot of times my audience is not that large. And it's not as scary to be like, oh, just shoot me an email. I think if I had like 100 followers or 200 followers, it'd be very different. I think it'd be even easier because you would have a lot of validation. I think it's difficult in the beginning because you don't have much validation. If you did have 100 followers, I think it would be a lot easier. You'd be like, hey, (laughs) you need someone to talk to. You need an ear. Just hit me up. I want to train or I want to experiment with coaching and mentoring. Speaking of validation, another big struggle I had, I totally forgot. So much happened last week. I don't think we'll have time to talk about me firing somebody last week. Maybe we can do that the week after. It's like my second fire of my life. But there was this presentation that I listened to on Wednesday morning from Andrew Chen. He was at Andreessen Horowitz, you know, a big partner. He recently wrote this book called The Cold Start Problem. He talks about how Reddit, Twitter, Slack, these companies started. And I'm bringing this up because he gave me a huge sense of validation. I mean, for Clever, we've been working with podcast hosts to help them engage with their audience and build these tiny little micro networks of listeners and hosts. His whole book is about this problem of a startup. How do you kick off a cold start? Mm-hmm. Right? You need to build this network effect, but how do you even start a network effect? Supposedly, how Reddit and Slack did it was they built atomic networks, as he calls them, even smaller than micro. Because if you think about Slack, if you only had you and me using Slack, like how long would you use it? We'll probably just switch back to WhatsApp after a while. But if you have like 10 people using it, whatever the tipping point is, then you start having this atomic network effect. And then, yes, it's only us as a small pocket, but then like another pocket of atomic networks can exist. And, and before long, you have a real network because naturally I will be part of some other atomic network and so on and so forth. And that in turn makes Slack very sticky. 
And it's funny because I thought about Slack in the beginning. I, I tried using it back in 2017 and nobody I knew used it. And our class of the MBA tried to use Slack instead of WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. And there's so much resistance. We're just like, there's no way. Like we're already on WhatsApp, all 200 of us. Like why would we switch? Fast forward four years later now, like I can't live without Slack. <laughs> but it's because I've built personally atomic networks around it. Like our different teams for alumni, for Clever. And it's just like, you try to switch me away from, there's no fucking way I'm switching away from <laughs> Slack, right? And it was just huge validation. Coming back to something that we talk a lot about is getting feedback, right? How Adam Grant says, the lack of feedback loops is what causes burnout and loss of purpose. Trying to find ways for validation is also, I think, a good way to build feedback loops. Even just seeing like, what are other writers? What are other people who write about depression write about? And seeing how big their audiences are. Yeah. Or other podcasts that talk about startups. It's good to find ways to validate yourself too in your ideas. I feel like Twitter is a good place for that because a lot of times if you have a good tweet, like one of the ideas that James Clear or Mark Manson, one of those guys, they talk about how you should tweet every day. And what happens is one tweet will get more likes than the other. And from there, you can kind of validate, oh, this is a good idea. So I I really like the concept of validation and I'm slowly starting to learn the importance of sharing your work because it's actually for validation and to get feedback. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, Sean, thanks for your time. Listeners, thank you for your time. Thanks for listening to episode 10. Have a good week, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Take care.